This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 265. Different teams send me information and they are, you know, have a great new meeting at the end of the meeting and they all give themselves a high five and families have said, oh goodness, what you've done. You know, my father's come to our house and now all my kids are, you know, affirming themselves when they do something good. But it's, you know, we're human beings and we do more, you know, for those that appreciate us. And if we appreciate ourselves, we're going to do more of that. So I love seeing, you know, even small quirky ways that people have found show up better for themselves. And that is the key with healthy leadership. You have to get yourself right before you can help get your team right. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Well, hello, welcome. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, and as always, I'm just so grateful that you're taking time to build your coaching skill set, your business, your just the and today our mindsets around engaging in the best way we can with the world. That's what the Star Coach Show is all about. And today we're going to be talking about positive mindset, giving some actionable strategies that you can apply immediately, use with your clients immediately. Super good. We're going to get to that in just a second. But I just want to say, if you are listening to this in real time, happy December. Today is the day that this is going live is December 1st. And that means we're sort of barreling towards the end of 2021. With that, I just want to remind you that my whole purpose in doing the show is to bring strategies, tools, and resources to you to help you be on top of your game with skills, with business building, with leadership. And in that, this just happens to be the time of the year that many of us are coming up on our credential expiring. And to renew our credential, one of the things that we need is continuing education. So if you're listening to this real time and you need continuing education credits to be able to renew your credential, please visit starcoachshow.com slash resources and check out the Essence of Mastery Summit. The reason why that is important today is that the sale for Star Coach listeners ends today. And if you need those four competency credits for this year, or if you want to get them done for next year, you got to sign up for the summit today. And like I said, the sale ends today. So if you're interested in that, go to starcoachshow.com slash resources, and you can get some information about how to get those gold nugget core competency credits. Now, let's talk about what we're going to dive into today because it is just so good. My guest today is Julie Davis Colon. She co-founded the L Group Inc., which is a management consulting firm that has served leaders since 1999. And that's going to be part of her focus today. Like as she and her husband who co-founded the business together, 
how they decided, you know, they wanted to reassess and look at what is it that we're bringing forward. And I just think that that's so important that we occasionally do that with our businesses, that we look at what are we offering? What have we learned along the way? What do we want to tweak or just solidify? And Julie talks a little bit about that in her interview today. But what we're going to be diving into is their healthy leadership model and primarily the piece of that around positive mindset. Now, Julie is going to help us understand some specific things that we can do immediately based upon neuroscience, based upon the power of language, things that we can do in our own lives to shift mindset, as well as absolutely doable strategies that our clients can apply right away that can help begin to shift their mindsets as well. Julie is a business advisor. She's a peak performance coach. And she's co-authored six books, including Stick With It, Getting the Best of Yourself and Others, and The Power of Positive Coaching. As a matter of fact, Julie was on the show over a year ago talking about The Power of Positive Coaching, and the link for her other episode with us is in the show notes at starcoachshow.com slash 265. So Julie is going to talk to us today about the whole concept of positive mindset, about how when we kind of fight against the natural inclination that we have as human beings towards our negative bias and employ strategies to help us shift to the positive, how that increases productivity, how that increases effectiveness, relationships, so many things. And not only are we going to be talking about positive mindset, we're going to be talking about what multitasking does to actually get in the way of what we want to do. I mean, just gold nugget after gold nugget in this interview. I am really looking forward to hearing about how this episode impacts you. And I just encourage you to kind of settle back and let's dive into how to build a positive mindset. And I want to introduce you to Julie Davis Cullen. Julie, welcome to the Star Coach Show. It has been a couple of years since you've been here. It's so good to have you here again. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's been a couple of busy and interesting years since we've been together. It has. So we um, did an interview a couple of years ago, and we'll have the link for Julie's first show in the show links about leadership. But you guys have been, well, the world has given us a few things to think about in the last 18 to 24 months. And I think you took advantage of that time to rethink some things for your business. And we're going to look at some growth factors and healthy leadership today. Let's just get a little peek of what you guys were doing during COVID as the world was imploding a little. It actually started before COVID. We really took a look at our life and our company was 20 years old. So it's one of those times yes. we've talked about, let's look at where we are and see where we want to go. And so that began in February before COVID. And we ended up really landing solidly still in the leadership space, but really as leadership advisors who are dedicated to healthy growth. We help CEOs help themselves with healthy growth, their employees and their businesses. 
So we help all of those facets and really have come up with, based on research and the work that we've done in the last 20 years, a model that has five components of healthy growth for a company. And those are a compelling purpose and plan, aligned culture, engaged hearts and minds, positive coaching, and excellent execution. I think last time we talked about the positive coaching component. Yes. What's interesting about those five is that they are all encircled by and powered by what we call healthy leadership. And healthy leadership has both principles and practices in that. And one of the principles that we're going to talk about is positivity. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. Yeah. And there is actually a website. You have a website where if somebody wanted to visualize this as we're talking, where where would they see the visual of this? Um, it's You can go to leadershipexperts.com okay. and take a peek and it'll have connect to all of our visuals and the deep dive on, on all these different topics and how they support healthy growth. So good. So, so many of us who are listening work with leaders, but I would say any of you who, any human being is going to interact with other people and these principles that we're talking about, definitely, you know, in organizations are things we're going to want to bring forward in your community. You'd want to bring in your family. You want to bring this forward. So Julie, where do we want to begin when we think about healthy leadership? I'm going to focus today on their six components, three practices and three principles. But I thought for today, you talked about the pandemic and what we were doing. And, and very interestingly, without a doubt, the most requested topic was positive mindset and how to build one. And that has continued to be, in fact, we have two keynotes next week and the week after on the same topic for different companies. So it is proven to be a very practical and useful set of of piece of information, I guess, that people can use immediately to make mm-hmm. a change in their lives at home, at work, et cetera. I thought we'd focus in on that aspect if we could today. Oh, I think that that is, I already hear ears perking up like, oh, that, that's awesome. So with that, what do you want us to be thinking about? So I guess I would just start by just to put uh, an umbrella over this whole area of what we'll call positivity or building a positive mindset is if people have been students of coaching and psychology over the years, thinking about positive psychology, it actually started with a very interesting way. And I know during the pandemic, many people are gardening more than they were. Yes. And, And it kind of started in a garden where a little girl was gardening with her dad and she's five, and they were cleaning out all of the weeds amongst their rose bushes. And dad was being a little grumpy. And uh, she, as wisdom might have it in a five-year-old said, daddy, do you remember when I was three or four years old? And he said, yes, love. And she said, do you remember when I used to be kind of sassy and such? And he's like, yes, love, I do. She said, well, when I turned five, I decided not to be that way anymore. And if I can do that, I think you can decide not to be grumpy. And that interchange happened between an individual psychologist by the name of Martin Seligman and his daughter. In a, and at that time, he was president of the American Psychological Association. And what was interesting about that is that he really started looking at psychology. And we were for so long focused on how to get to neutral and all those strategies. And he really didn't create positive psychology, but he brought attention to going north of normal and really gave it an umbrella to all those disciplines that have been studying pieces of that over the years and 
having that umbrella has allowed us to have kind of more of a collective wisdom and a collective sharing that gives, I think, much more powerful tools to individuals showing up each day. So important. And that whole concept of let's just get to neutral. Let's just get to, let's focus on the broken or the hurting, which is there's validity to, there are people who need to be healed. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. And surely as human beings, we can flourish and not just find a baseline of neutral. Absolutely. And it's that and. You know, and I think for so long, for whatever reason, we were just, you know, looking at that neutral and love that we are looking at all these practices, like your coaching practice and such that, that really intentionally bring people to their very best. Absolutely. So when we think about positive mindset and the the impact that that brings, like you work with so many companies and and bring this forward. What are some of the things that you're hearing as people are having this awareness open up in them about the possibility? It it can literally change everything. And one of the things that I think is interesting and, and one of the ways we approach it is really teaching people about brain science and teaching people about the fact that now the brain, we know, you know, based on beautiful research and machines that we have, that the brain's neuroplastic and that you can intentionally change it. And I think helping people understand that, you know, your thoughts create a hardwire connection in your brain. And so how to think about your thinking has been a really powerful, it's been a powerful message for us. And the way we break it down is really to look at your thoughts, words, and your actions, and how to look at each of those pieces and kind of take them harness so that you can intentionally show up in a more positive way for yourself and for other people. So how do you open that up if if you're sharing with a group of leaders, Mm -hmm. or I don't know if you tend to share one-on-one, or you talked about doing a keynote, So when you're bringing that information forward to people who might be just hearing this for the first time, how do you walk into that? So we know that the brain is the most complex thing known on this earth. And it has a hundred billion neurons or brain cells connected to each connected to approximately 10,000 additional ones. So you think of this massive network that is just so complex. And then looking at neurons, between two neurons is an area called a synapse. And in between those two, this synaptic gap is where a charge happens when a thought occurs or anything, and it really builds a bridge. And so when we talk about things like neuroplastic, which which means basically that your brain can change in a good way. So you think about, you know, the basic mechanics of, of a structure that when you have a thought, it actually builds a bridge. So we want to be intentional about how we're showing up with our thoughts, words, and actions. What's interesting, I think, also about the brain is that it has a negativity bias. So we know that the bad feels stronger than the good feels. Mm-hmm. We look at the news and everyone is, is inflamed. It is a strong emotion. And it came that way through evolution to protect us. Right. Um, it doesn't necessarily serve that same purpose every day. I don't have any saber-toothed tiger's behind me. I don't know. Not that you're aware of. Yeah. Not that I see, (laughs) but you know, we've had invisible threats that have brought about a more intense feeling because of fear and such. And that is a very powerful feeling. So when we talk about negative feelings or negative effect, we know from research from Clifton Rath that in order to offset negativity or negative 
feelings. Mm -hmm. We have to create a stronger positive set of positives to, to offset it. So there's a three to one ratio in work groups. So three positive actions to one negative to offset it and just bring that to neutral. Now, there's nothing that really, you know, says you can't go to the moon and up right. on the positive actions. And then in marriages, that infamous, I love to ask people, what do you think it, you know, the positive actions to negative actions ratio is in marriages? And some people go one to one, some people go a million to one. But the good news is it's only five to one. But we know, you know, we feel more in our most personal relationships. So it takes a little bit more to, to show up that way. So understanding that negative bias and knowing that, you know, it's not that you're an optimistic person or a pessimistic person. It's an optimistic way of thinking and a pessimistic way of thinking. And most people do the latter. So how do we show up differently? We know if we show up with the optimistic thinking style, there are physical health benefits, there are mental health benefits. We are a better salesperson. Going back to your first question, we are more productive. The list of positive implications is practically endless based on research of the good things that happen. So we want to like, so if we say, oh, to people, well, we're automatically negatively, you know, have a negative mindset. All these fabulous things are possible with a positive mindset. And how do we get there? And that's yeah, it's like, okay, I see them both clearly, yeah. but there's a bit of a space between them. Yeah. There's so what do we do a, with that gap? Yeah. So starting with thoughts, some of the tools that we would use would be, you know, we have about 50,000 thoughts a day. And I think it's interesting. And in many of the groups that we talk with, I'll ask, you know, have your children ever come home and talked about growth mindset? And many of them will, which is great because I it think schools are starting to teach kids about the same thing, about brain science, and that you can control how you show up. And a growth mindset, as opposed to a fixed mindset, meaning you know that you look at things as basically a yet, I say. You know, I'm not good at that yet. yet. I have yet to learn that. Not that I'm dumb or I'm smart, but mm-hmm. I have yet to learn that. And that whole juxtaposition of growth versus fixed mindset that Carol Dweck brought about is a very powerful way to teach people that you don't have to put a label on things, that we're all a process, we're all growing constantly. And just knowing that is there is helpful. And I think further, when they talk, we look at, you know, Barbara Fredrickson's build, broaden and build concept, where positive emotions absolutely expand our thinking and negative emotions and narrow it because it thinks we're in a threatening situation, right? right? And so as we're trying to get the best of ourselves and others think, okay, how are we going to get these positive emotions? And simple tools like we just, I just mentioned that, that get that yet, you mm-hmm. know, on any sentence, just putting the word yet. yet. And then another tool that will take people through. And again, these are just small words, but. But so powerful because they powerful. land on the brain. They land there and your words create your worlds, right? They create everything. So take a task that you have to do, like even laundry. I have to do laundry and simply substitute two words in there. I get to do laundry, get to that. This one I used on myself for a long time because I truly, I did hate to do laundry. (laughs) This is a personal example that Julia is is sharing. This is. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try this on myself. I get to do laundry. 
And when I'm blessed to have all of my kiddos home, there is a lot. All three are out in the world. What do I think about with that? Well, all of a sudden, it allows you to have feelings of gratitude. Right. Wow. We have clothing. Wow. We've gone through a lot. We must have had some adventures or some activities that have suggested that we change our clothing for different purposes. We have a washer and dryer in our house. Exactly. I used to say that to my neighbor who also hated to do laundry. I would say, well, you don't have to take it down to the river and pound it on the stones anymore. Absolutely. Not even to the, you know, laundry mat. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that, and then, you know, we have things to put in to clean our clothes and I can fold it right here. And then it goes right upstairs. And just that small have to get get to. to. Yeah. And we found that with a lot of people, that simple switch in things that they do, even about their job, they love some aspects they don't and or their life. I get to. It it makes a lasting change. It is landing on it. And coaches, we certainly know that the words that we choose, our language is very powerful. Absolutely. There's empowering language and there's disempowering language. And that also works within. And and I think sometimes, Julie, people think, well, if I know, if I know what I'm doing, it's not going to work. But that's not. So what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, Yeah. that's not true. And and my example of even, you know, using it by myself with laundry, like, Whatever I'm going to apply, I try to apply to myself. And it's so powerful. And another example is, I think that people can relate to, is just how the brain doesn't really, it doesn't process the word not very well. And so if you think of children and they're going into a store with delicate items and it says, do not touch, they can't read that, but a parent will say, do not touch that. And you think they're being totally disobedient because they want to touch. Right. But as thinking about it as an example, as an adult, if you've ever tried not to eat anything, say, I'm going to, I'm going to eat clean. I'm going to do this and do that. I'm not going to eat anything. I'm not going to eat ice cream for two weeks. Well, what do you want? All you think about is ice cream. All you think about is ice cream because the brain does not process the word not very well. So we just gave to, it a great clear picture of ice cream. Yes. And going back to the children, they're not, I mean, some may be disobedient, but they're not intentionally very often saying, I'm going to touch that. I'm going to break that, but not doesn't work as well. Right. So, so what, they what heard it, touch. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know how, but when my kids were growing up, I had a saying, touch with your eyes. And then it was an affirmative, mm-hmm. you know, it's, We'll do a thing also telling or talking to people about no matter what you do, no matter what you're doing right now, do not, do not think of a pink elephant. Right. And no the matter first what thing you, you do, do is think of that pink elephant. You can think of nothing but a pink elephant. Right. And so it's just kind of a powerful tool again, yet get to and not just powerful little tools to keep in your holster that I think, you know, we find employees find very helpful. In thinking about that, I think the other part of that, and I know that you deal with this a lot too, would be, you know, how we talk to ourselves. And, you know, if we talk to ourselves, if we talk to our best friends the way we talk to ourselves, probably wouldn't have many. No, we probably wouldn't have very many friends at all. Yeah. And so really looking at that, I mean, we are the ones that talk all day. And I read something really interesting. This was a really good book that I just read. Ethan Cross's chatter, the voice in our head and how to harness it. Oh, love this good. book. 
it's very new. And it talks about the rate at which we talk to ourselves in our mind. And this was a fascinating point. At the rate of 4,000 words per minute. What does that mean? Well, the comparison was in an average presidential State of the Union address, there are approximately 6,000 words spoken over an hour and a half. So then we think about how often, what we're saying to ourselves in one minute, 4,000 words. I mean, that, I mean, I just thought that was very powerful. And so really thinking about our thinking and, and our chatter and how we show up with ourselves and how to talk to ourselves like our best friend and what a huge difference that makes in, in our world. And, right. you know, knowing some of the science and then the art of the application, I think is, is huge. And going on that as well, when we think about the English language and how many words it has for positive and negative emotion, it is weighted toward the negative. We have, let me double check and make sure I have the numbers right. I think we have 86%. No, we have 62% of our English language has a negative emotion. Towards our, our emotion language. Yes. So in order to show up with a positive mindset, you have a smaller bank to choose right. from. And an exercise we like to do is just to give people a minute and a half or so and brainstorm in the midst of a po- building a positive mindset workshop, all of the emotional works they can think of. And inevitably, when you go through and score them, there are so many more negative words that people can think of, even when they're thinking of them in a positive mindset workshop, because we just really have to be intentional about choosing those. And I think that sort of, it's a very powerful statement about, you know, being intentional on how we think and how we show up even in our own brains. Exactly. And one of the things that rose for me when you were talking about that, Julie, was as a coach instructor and a mentor coach, I get to listen to hundreds of coaching conversations a year. And one of the, and we as coaches need to be aware of that bias within us as coaches as well. So often I will hear a coaching conversation where the client is sharing some frustration, but also sharing some positives and and even will say, and this is what I want to focus on is my path forward and da, 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 da. And when I'll hear the coach often, and I'm listening primarily to new coaches, but often I'll hear the coach say, so that frustration that you were talking about, what was causing the first, when the client might've just talked about being wonderfully excited about something. And, and, you know, yes, they also shared the, but the draw to the coach, I think we need to be responsible as coaches to that bias as well. And that we're not just drawn like a magnet to anything negative that's said by the client so that we highlight that versus those, there's other things that are being shared as well. So I'm not saying step over something obvious that needs to be addressed if it needs to be addressed. But not every, I was anxious about that, but I'm super excited about this. We don't have to dive into the more negative emotion that is being shared. I don't think that that's necessarily the way we're best partnering with our clients. That's my two cents worth for that. No, and it is true because even because we're humans and it feels stronger, you know, it's how we're wired. So it feels stronger. And, you know, so people might gravitate to that. But I think in the last time we were together, we talked about positive coaching and how strengths-based coaching increases productivity 36% and weaknesses decreases at 26%. 
that's a huge, huge difference. difference. Yeah. And to your point, not saying we don't want to, we don't want to ignore all frustrations, but if we're going to focus, the potential on the upside is huge. And again, going back to all those physical, emotional, productivity, you know, longitudinal benefits of the positive, it's definitely the bucket to spend our time in if we can. So as you're sharing this positive mindset work with your clients and giving these great, very actionable tools, how is this falling on your client population? How are they receiving it? They're receiving it very well. And they are very, you know, I think people that are drawn to this are, you know, often self-selected good students or they, they're very, they're interested in growth. And we know growth is hard. My youngest, who's now a senior in college, very young, used to say, mommy, there are just two things. There are two stages, right? You're either growing or dying. And I was like, out of the words of of the the day, yes. And and growing is hard and it feels uncomfortable, but we are seeing people do really great things. And one of my personal favorites, kind of because it's, it's very personal to me, but in my life, I have always thought, who is with me 100%? percent of the time, me. So I've sought to control my self-talk for years. And I affirm myself at every possible opportunity. As an example, going back to the laundry, you know, when I would go through that rhetoric and say, I get to do the laundry and I would do it, I would say, good job, Jules. And I had a, a little rhetoric like that. And so we do that in class together. And I've loved, I've had different teams send me information and they are, you know, have a great new meeting at end of the meeting and they all give themselves a high five and families have said, oh goodness, what you've done. You know, my father's come to our house and now all my kids are, you know, affirming themselves when they do something good, but it's, you know, we're human beings and we do more, you know, for those that appreciate us. And if we appreciate ourselves, we're going to do more of that. So I love seeing you know, even small quirky ways that people have found to show up better for themselves. And that is the key with healthy leadership. You have to get yourself right before you can help get your team right. And rolling back to that healthy growth piece that I said. I was just about to ask about if you could give us those those internal pieces again. Go ahead. Yeah. So the healthy growth piece is for an organization, the compelling purpose and plan, the aligned culture, engaged hearts and minds positive coaching, and engaged, uh, excellent execution. Sorry about that. But surrounding that is what we call healthy leadership. And this is a key part of that. And the reason that it's so important is healthy leadership is a multiplier for growth. And without a healthy leader, any of these things is much more stagnant. So we've, out, we've calculated to be at least a 5x uh, multiplier in healthy growth. And if you get you work on yourself first, then you can work on your team. And I think we started this dialogue talking about, you know, how you had seen many employees in the past be frustrated with their inability to maybe cope with the position they were in of managing other people. And it became frustrating. It can be daunting. Mm-hmm. And what we're trying to do is help people get themselves right. And then they can help get their teams right and get their businesses to flourish, which leads to communities, which I feel like is part of the house that Jack built. I tell my head, I think it's like, you know, it's like a nesting doll. It all fits together that way. So good. Is there anything else? I mean, we could literally, you have so much material and there's so many things that you 
all do in the community to help leaders be in that place of strengths focused and healthy focused and just all those things that warm my heart. (laughs) Anything that we left on the table around this concept of positive mindset that we want to wrap with? I will share one thing. This was a learning of mine during the pandemic. I had the opportunity to interview the CEO of the the Brain Institute at UTD. And one of the things that they have discovered is about multitasking. And most of us pride ourselves. And this is Sandra Bond Chapman, who we were interviewing. And, you know, most of us have this little invisible, I guess, star. Badge of honor. Yes. 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 You know, look at me. Here I am. And she revealed the research that they're doing. And it was fascinating. And this statistic really stood out to me. I used to work for the American Heart Association's National Center, so very familiar with risk factors. And she said that multitasking is to the brain as cigarette smoking is to the heart. Wow. It creates deterioration. And there's, you know, data showing, and we have some ways that we illustrate this, but that multitasking is basically like switching computer screens. Your brain can't focus on an attended task more than one at a time, so you're switching. But it actually leads to a 40% decrease in productivity. And that means it increases the time it takes and there are more errors. And that in and of itself, when she shared that with me, that is one of those things that I think that's life-changing. And again, going to your point of trying to practice what we preach, that is hard. It is hard because we've been priding ourselves on multitasking. Like the more balls you can keep up in the air, the better you work. And, you know, think that that's actually deteriorating, not not something that you want to have a part of, and that you're doing a worse, you know, spending more time with who wants to do that and doing a worse job. So that is a, a more recent piece that she had just shared with me a few months ago. That really is, I think it's a very powerful point. And it really requires management of our lives to do that. The circle back to positivity is that we know that in order for behavior change to last, it needs to be done with positive emotion. So it's not that we can't change when we're in a negative thing, but for it to stick. So again, a benefit, a very tangible benefit of positive mindset is it provides a fertile ground for a positive behavior change to plant and multitasking to single tasking that's a big behavior change. And that's one that I'm personally working on right now. Such good information and kind of mind blowing, right? I, it was for me. I'm like that. I feel like we have billboards out about that. I agree. I mean, for being, you know, the daughter of a father who had dementia and seeing all the issues that we have with brain health, that's huge. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Julie, once again, share the website where people can learn more about you and Lee and the work that you guys are doing. Okay. It's leadershipexperts.com. That's the easiest way to go there. And we have a free newsletter that comes out twice a week, that one that's uh, more leadership focused and one that's more inspiration on Fridays that comes out. And you can sign up for free if you want to go to that site, as well as learn more about healthy growth and healthy leadership so helpful. I appreciate your time today and joining the star coaches today. Thank you for having me.
Okay, I hope each of you is thinking about how you're going to pay attention to your words and help your clients tune into the words that are most empowering to them. Thanks again to Julie Davis Cullen for bringing her expertise to the show. If you want to connect with the resources that she offered, go to starcoachshow.com slash 265 and grab the links on that page. Now, next week, I am welcoming Lucas Root to the show. Lucas is going to be helping us understand the mechanical process of learning and how that impacts the way that we engage with our clients, the way that we can better understand our own learning process and better engage. So I'm looking forward to having Lucas on next week and all that you can learn from that. As always, remember that I will be adding to the resource page to help you access resources that have been helpful to me as a coach in my growth. That's starcoachshow.com slash resources. And if you need those continuing education credits for 2021, be sure today, by the end of today, December 1st, if you want to attend the Essence of Mastery Summit to be able to get those 21 hours of core competency credits, today's the last day to sign up for that if you're listening to this in real time. So until next week, this is Meg Brenchler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week and welcome December. December.